Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that they that he had silenced the Sadducees, this is verse 34, they gathered together. The Bible says, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Everybody say, test him. Test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And then he goes on and says, and the second and the second is like it. You shall uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And the last verse for our reading says, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Praise God. Praise God. So I'm going to start um, introduce a story. I'm going to tell on myself a little bit and my dad, which he's probably not going to be happy about it, but oh well. <laughs> I, have, I have the mic. Oh man, like I don't know about you guys, but you know, my dad, I love him dearly, but there was a season in our life that we went through a, a pretty rough patch. You would think that you see him all the time. We, um, we're in good relationship now, but there was a season in our life that we had a pretty rough for a, for a couple of years, it was rough, it was up and down, but I remember getting into a new season of life, and I'm thinking, Lord, I'm ready to head into a relationship, but I know I need to close a chapter between my dad and I for, for me to move forward in a relationship, and I remember, I wrote my dad this, like, crazy, um, at the time, I, I'll go back, at the time I was in school in Michigan in college, and my, my dad lived here in, um, in Toronto, and I wrote my dad this very long letter, back in the day we wrote letters, not emails, uh-huh. And in my letter was like quotation marks. Like I was like, you said blah, blah, blah. And I did this and that. You know it's serious when the quotations come up. Like I was like word for word. And it was a lot of stuff that I just, you know, just pretty much vomited in this email about like what you've done or how I felt. But at the end of the email, at the end of the letter, I remember saying a prayer for him. And you know what? I did this for myself and it was nothing to do with him. It was up to him to work with God how he received um, the letter or what was the next steps. But I knew for me to walk into this relationship at the time, it was my husband, which I didn't know was going to be my husband. But I know that I need to close a chapter to move forward. And so what was crazy is after I wrote that letter to my dad, and that was a very defining moment in our relationship. I remember um, I came home that Christmas and we made amends um, through all the stuff that we were going through. And since that day, I have to say, God is so faithful. God is good. He's such a restorer of relationships. And, you know, later on in life, we'll, we'll go in deeper with the story. But um, pretty much God restored that. And, you know, because of that restoration, I was able to make room for my, my husband because I closed that chapter. And so we're going to talk today more about um, taking care of ourselves so we can make room for other people. Yeah, and, and I'd say just kind of around the same uh, this, on the same token, you know, I was kind of a part of this story, um, you know, indirectly as well in that at that time before we got connected, you know, I was seeking God about taking next steps in terms of getting into a relationship as well. And I was thinking, you know, at that time, just entering in ministry and all of that, um, you know, I, I believe I was 20 or 20 at the time, yep, mm-hmm. and just thinking about next steps. Where do I go? What do I do? Uh, and the Lord put on my heart. Some of you may have already heard this if you've you know, seen me preach uh, or tell my, share my testimony, our, our testimony. Um, you know, and there was a time where I had stolen some jerseys from a pastor um, be in my BC life, right? Uh, back when Pastor Andrew was on a thug life tip, fam. <laughs> You know, and we were trying to run streets and things. 
<laughs> and so, like at that point, right? Like I was, I realized that in order to go forward and connect, I had to make sure I was whole. And so there were some wrongs that I had to make right, and that was a notable one uh, where I had to connect and apologize to him for teething his jerseys. And so, um, so just just so you understand how crazy it was, God had showed me that that um, Pastor Chantal was my wife and as he said to me that's your wife and the mother of your children right and it was blatant like that and i was thinking yo if, if i'm gonna go and say something like this to her or if i'm gonna tell her this on the real i need to make sure that this is the lord so in that moment is when i um i i heard in you know as i was seeking god about what i need to do to be in a whole place before i moved into that relationship that's when i heard in my spirit the lord's like you gotta apologize to pastor uh so and so for teeth in his jerseys so I hadn't seen him in years, right? And at um, that day, you know, um, Pastor Chantal and I, we were, we were having um, lunch in the cafeteria just as friends because we were connected through Toronto. And as I'm sitting there at the table, haven't seen this man, my back is to the cafeteria line uh, where, where to pay for the food. And um, as I'm sitting there and we're talking, I'm like, at the time, I was like, Chantal, you know, uh, there's something I got to tell you, you know, uh, I, I, but I, I just can't tell you this until I apologize to pastor so-and-so. And these were and, the days before no facial hair. <laughs> yeah. Mans were all uh, like, you know, looking crazy. I, I couldn't even grow a, a mustache. Uh, some of y'all still have that struggle today, but no shade, right? Don't look at nobody. <laughs> uh, but anyway, <laughs> in that moment, so she just taps me. And she goes, turn around. And I turn around, and guess who's in the line? For those who never, the pastor is in the, girl, in the cafeteria line paying for his food. And I haven't seen him in years, and I'm talking to her about him at that moment. Hmm. So God provided the opportunity in that moment. Like, and I got up to run, but if you know Pastor Chantal, she'd be like, listen, fool. You know, do what you got to do. And so she grabbed me, and she was like, no, you go do what you got to do and encourage me to go talk to him. So I went, and I spoke to him. Uh, and made amends and that was the defining factor for me hers was a letter to her dad mine was a you know apologizing for something that i did wrong in the past to prepare to prepare myself you know um to prepare myself for 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 what was next and you know really and truly all of this is around the concept of um as jesus says the second important commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. And I established last week the concept that, um, you know, he goes on to expound, especially in the other gospels, uh, who your neighbor really is. And essentially, it's anyone that you do life with. Anyone that's in your circle of influence would be considered your neighbor. And so that would even extend towards the relationships that we have. Mm-hmm. And so I told you, we, we established last week that, uh, that the way that we love others is determined by the way that we love ourselves. And so the question was proposed, if you were to love someone the way that you love yourself, would you harm them or would you be helping them? And so we challenged you around the importance of self-care and we talked to you because, you know, about the fact that it's not a privilege or it's not a luxury, but it's actually a priority. Self-care is a priority. And so this whole concept around the importance of taking care of yourself so that you can effectively love others, this would then extend and inc- towards and encompass the concept of even romantic relationships. 
As we're talking about this relationship series, we said, you know what, this, this concept needs to be at the substratum of everything. This needs to be at the base of it, you know, the concept of having, of self-care and, and making sure that we are whole so we can effectively love others because hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. Come on, somebody. And there is a lot of abuse that takes place simply because of the fact that we're not taking care of ourselves. So just kind of a practical tool to throw out there and, you know, just something for your consideration before we d- jump into uh, further into like the relational aspect of this is just, you know, I want to uh, kind of put point number one out there for you and it will be up on the screen for you. Uh, the margin and boundaries we set determine our relational capacity. Here it is. The margin and boundaries we set determine our relational capacity. And what we mean by this, what we mean by this is, you know, the boundaries, a lot of our uh, effectiveness or our efficiency as it pertains to loving on people, dealing with people in a whole and a healthy way has to do with our capacity. And our capacity, help me Jesus, is determined by the margin and the boundaries that we set up in our lives. I'm not talking about the margin like on a piece of paper, but the, the space mm-hmm. that you reserve in your life to be able and the boundaries that you set up so that you're never running on fumes. Mm-hmm. So that you're never gambling with the gaslight. Mm-hmm. So that you make sure that you leave enough space for you to be able to adequately take care of yourself in a way that positions you to love others when i think about this uh you know how many of you have a computer let's see hands of everyone who has a computer how many of you have a phone okay cell phone got it all right so the thing about cell phones is that uh, let me let me ask this have you ever been in a situation where you know you've seen something you're like i need to capture this moment it might have been, you know, it was something, uh, something, maybe, maybe it was in an engagement scenario and at the moment where, where the man and them are getting ready to pop the question and they're getting down on their knees and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to put this on Instagram, you know, and you're, that was supposed to be funny, but I guess it didn't come across the way I wanted it to be. So anyways, like, and you're getting ready to put this thing on Instagram, but then when you go to put it up. And I don't want to hear no, no, no jabs against iPhones, Jeff. Uh, but you go to put it up and it says, no storage, no more storage. Anybody ever been there? Mm-hmm. No. You said no? <laughs> That's that Android demon talking. We rebuke you in the name of the Lord. But no. So like you're to the place where your iPhone storage is full. Mm-hmm. And what happens is you miss moments mm-hmm. because you don't have any capacity any capacity left on your phone Mm -hmm. because you were not guarded you're like i'm straight you know what this one last picture they they even put up the warnings like your storage is almost full go in and manage and the man them are like nah i'm straight fam let me just take 10 more pictures i because i need 15 more selfies in my phone right (laughs) and then when the moments that matter pop up Mm. you don't oh man you don't have the capacity to be able to capture them Mm. And then this is what happened. This is what happened. Then, as a result, we start mismanaging our space. So look, look, can I just preach this? I'm trying to stay seated, but I feel it creeping up on me, fam. <laughs> Listen, this is the thing. So then in that moment, because you want to capture something, you go into your phone, you open the delete button, and you just start selecting stuff. <laughs> delete, delete. Then you go and empty storage, and it tells you, if you delete this thing, it is not reversible. 
And you're like, okay, okay, just to take this picture. And then we go and we end up deleting stuff like your child's first walk. Something that's important, but because you weren't mis- you were mismanaging your capacity. Oh, I'm just talking about the point this morning. Come on. You don't have the space. And so consequently, you mismanage the things that are already in your phone. And this is what it looks like for those of us who are not setting margin and boundaries in our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What we do is, as a result of not, us not setting margins and boundaries and going to the end, we have no room for self-care. And consequently, we mismanage the people who are already in our lives. And also, we don't even have the room to effectively love on those who we could be connected to. So good. So good. And, and, and go, man. Go, go, go. You I mean, this, this is this this is important. I think this is pivotal to our to our understanding. Anyway, go ahead. Go what ahead. I want to say too, with, with that point is, too many times when we don't have capacity in our um, our friend zone, we cannot add more friends. True. Or when we have um, our capacity for romantic, we don't have opportunities for friends. Too many people are too invested when it's early on in the relationship being too romanticized too early when it really needs to be in the friend zone. And oh, so you're, oh, you're oh. missing opportunities of other people that maybe are in the friend zone that need to be the romantic. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. They're in the wrong zones because we didn't make a pass. We didn't make room for them. Wow. And in our lives, the same goes when we talk about margin, budgeting. Go back to finances. If come on, come on, that's our financial advisor, Dave Ramsey, not my man from last week. <laughs> Go watch the podcast. <laughs> um, but you know what? But, you know when we budget, it gives us margin, so we can actually spend and do more. It does not take away that we can do less. It actually gives us more capacity to do more. If you know what you're doing with your finances, too many people are scared of budgeting because it thinks it lessens them. Too many people are scared of putting margin in their lives because oh, that means I can do less. No, it gives you the capacity to do more. Because you know where your time is being affected or what you're doing, it also your money. And so it's so important to have margin. And that even when you are a parent, you know, we're talking about being parents, you have to make sure you take self-care so you can be a better parent. I am a firm believer. I'm only an affected mother or a wife if I'm an effective, um, a good woman by myself. I have to make sure I take care of as a woman so I can pour into my children, pour into my church, pour into my husband. But first, I have to take care of myself, give myself margin so I can help other people. And, I, and I'll say this, and, and we, could, you know, we could preach on this for the rest of the, the message. I think this is an imperative concept uh, towards the success of our lives, right? So this is the thing, though. When it comes to margin, when you talk about it, one of the greatest principles I learned and understood is that here it is. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Come on. Just because you have it doesn't mean that you should. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, my uh, and, 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 you know, I grew up in a, with a Bajan background. Right. And the, one of the things that my grandmother always has was called a Bubby Bank. Yeah. One I don't know about no Bubby Bank. Right. Look. So basically, at any point in time, your grandmother could reach down and she brazier and pull out like $10,000 at any point in time. And if you look at her, you would never even know, fam. She ain't trusting the bank, man. You know, she's not, she's like, this is my cash, no interest. I don't trust you to give interest. You out here trading my money, whatever. I have the Bubby Bank, right? Mm-hmm. And this is the way. <laughs> 
this is the way that, you know, that I would grow up seeing with my grandmother because she's like, yo, I want to make sure there is money that you don't even know about. Because I'm, I have capacity. So when my grandson shows up and says, you know, hey, grand, grand, I need a jacket, you know, she can pull out and say, here, and think nothing of it. Because, so the bottom line is, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. So there's a lot of people, if they call you and ask you, hey, are you available to do X, Y, or Z? You know, people be like, oh, let, me, let me check my calendar. And you look and you see free time. And so you're like, oh yeah, sure, I'm available. And in actuality, it shouldn't be that easy for people to just grab you and throw you into stuff. Oh man, I want to help somebody. You should be, see, this is the thing. When you think about resources, it's not just your treasure. Mm-hmm. Your time is your most valuable resource. Come on. And many of us out here squandering, you're good with your money, but squandering your time. Mm. Oh man. It should be harder for people to get time out of you than it is for... I'm about to run. <laughs> then it is for them to get money out of you. Come on. And many of us, we're out here squandering our time. And we're to a place where we don't understand. You should have your time budgeted. Yo. So that there's margin in place. So that at certain times, there are times when you call me, people will call me. And I will ask them, are they bleeding or are they dying? If they're not, I'm not going. Because at the end of the day, there are certain times I allot for my family in the morning time. And even in terms of productivity, and I'm sure these things not to be braggadocious, but to share with you, you know, the way that you have to parcel your time. I get up before my whole household in the morning. And the way that I do this, I get up before my whole household and I pray. I spend time in prayer on my face for you guys as a church and for the and for myself and for my household and all this for an hour of prayer time. Thereafter is uh, is time spent in the word. Mm -hmm. And then thereafter is time reading resources that are not necessarily Christian related and podcasts and things of this nature to uh, to strengthen myself. That is time about two hours of time that I set aside every day that I don't care what it is. Mm -hmm. If you're not bleeding and if you're not dying, I am not going to participate or I'm not going to come because it is budgeted time for my self-care mm -hmm. so I can effectively get up here and minister to y'all that when I show up to pray for loved ones and family and all this stuff that there's actually power behind it come on, come on somebody mm -hmm. that when you sit in front of us and you talk to us about your broken marriage that there's actually godly counsel that comes out mm -hmm. not because I'm better than you or I'm Superman but because I spend time Filling up so there's actually something to pour out. Mm. Oh, man. So good. I'm telling you, the Netflix demon, those series are taking people's time. Also, Listen, especially that recurring playing where you just keep playing. <laughs> I know, 10 right? seconds. You don't even have enough time to come out of it. <laughs> and then the scrolling demon, man, before bedtime... It's taking enough. I'm confessing sometimes. I thought it was supposed to be bed at 11. It's 12 o'clock and I'm still scrolling. You know, and so it, those are the things that I'm even being intentional is putting my, my phone away from my bed mm -hmm. because it's taking up my sleep. Yeah. An hour, I'm like, where did an hour go? I'm, I'm still scrolling. And you know what? I'm scrolling and I'm not even like purchasing anything. I'm not even getting good notes. I'm just scrolling. Dead time. And then the next morning when I'm complaining I'm tired... I did it to myself. So many things that we complain about are self-inflicted, not people-inflicted. Inflicted. So many things in our life are self-inflicted, not people-inflicted. That's so good. 
So good, so good. And so, uh, just to reiterate, our, our um, you know, the margin and boundaries we set determine our relational capacity. How full is your hard drive? Uh, and so, going onward, uh, point number two, if you will, here it is. And just in talking about uh, preparing for. Uh, for, for being connected and to be effectively connected to people. This is what we got to realize. Our biggest life goal should be to use our positions and our possessions to glorify God. Mm-hmm. Let me say that again. Our biggest life goal should be to use our positions and our possessions to glorify God. What do we mean by this? You know, that should be the biggest goal of our life. Everything, wherever you are Mm -hmm. or whatever you have, it should be your goal to glorify God with it. First Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 31. Why don't you go ahead and read that? So So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that's a very powerful concept because he's saying not only in eating and in drinking, you know, which he says even seem, may seem like trivial things because people be like, oh, whatever, I can just eat whatever he says. And I think a lot of us need to hear that message right there because we are just listless with what with what we put in our mouth. Mm. And so he says, whatever you're eating and whatever you're drinking, and then he goes on and makes the blanket statement and with, with whatever you're doing, mm. do it all to the glory of God. So in other words, what we're saying is some people, your biggest goal in life, talking about relationships, is to get a boo. For some of us, your biggest relationship in life is to get a husband or to get a wife or to have a girlfriend or to get engaged. And the fact of the matter is there's absolutely nothing wrong with having those things as goals in your life. But at the end of the day, if you, we, don't, we are not called to live And to invest our lives with that being the end-all, be-all goal of our lives. Mm -hmm. Our biggest goal in life, the biggest call we have on our life, is that no matter where we are, Mm -hmm. as individuals, whether you're together with someone or you're by yourself, Mm -hmm. your biggest goal in life should be to use your possessions and your positions to give glory to God. Mm -hmm. Glory to God. And you can, if you're married, you can get something else out of that too. Glory to God. Anyway, go ahead. Well, no, I think you just said it really good. I think too many times um, society from a young age is grooming you to think the end all is marriage Amen. or have a big house or have the education. That And those are all great goals, but it's not the end goal. Amen. Those are milestones, I think, in the journey of um, on your life. But really, our goal in life, whatever God has entrusted me with, is to give God all the glory. Amen. And you can have that even if you're single. You can have that even if you, you know, whatever degree you want to get or not get a degree or whatever job you have. It does not lessen your goal or purpose in life if you're not married. I think too many times we stress that marriage is like, you got it. Like, that's it. Like, man, I'm married. Now I've gotten the prize. Marriage is not the prize. A lot of married people will tell you, will let you know that too. Yeah, marriage, yeah, exactly. Marriage is not the prize. Jesus is the prize. He is the reward. He is the very thing. Trust me, there's too many people wishing to be single and they're not single. See it. I'd rather be single than wishing to be single. You better, better preach. 
Marriage is not the goal in life. Yeah. And that's it. When, you're, when, when the goal is to bring glory to God, that's why there's some people and they'll be like, you know, and they're complaining. And I get it. I understand loneliness. I've been there before. I know what it's like to want to be in a relationship. But I'm telling you, a lot of us, the reason why you're not in a relationship is because it takes one whole plus one whole to make one whole relationship. Mm-hmm. And you're treating yourself like a half, thinking that it's one, two halves make a whole. And so the issue is that you're not in a whole place. And that's why when you get, do get into relationships, those relationships fall apart. Hmm. Because you came to the relationship thinking it was going to complete you as opposed to entering into it, realizing that you're just supposed to compliment. Hmm. Right. Oh, are you hearing what I'm saying and this then when morning? You're, and then when you're married, you're thinking, you know what? Oh, my, oh no, my, my spouse is not serving me anymore. And really the goal in your marriage is how are we, go back, are we giving God glory with our marriage? So or are we looking for self, um, self-filling self of just the other person? It's not not to say that you're, when you get married, you're not supposed to love one another. But what's the goal of your marriage? Yeah. Is the goal to only serve my spouse? Or our goal is in to be in a couple is to give God glory with our relationship? Our goal ultimately should be to maintain a godly perspective during the various seasons of our life. There are people that we have in our family, in our church family, especially who are widows or widowers. Because at some point in time in marriage, God forbid, things happen and oftentimes you can lose a loved one. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you can, you know, you can be getting abused or you can be a place where, you know, um, where a spouse leaves you and walks out the door on you. Right. And your position changes quickly. Mm-hmm. And if your joy, I'm hoping you're grabbing this, because if your joy is connected to the position of marriage, then your joy goes out the door when the spouse does. Mm. Or when they leave. But if your joy is connected to Jesus and your big goal is to glorify him, no matter what's happening, you're in a position where you're always having joy, even if it's sadness for a season. Mm. My joy is rooted in Jesus and not in a position, even with the changing of seasons. And a question that we had, we were thinking over when we were uh, studying is, how can we be selfless without losing ourselves? You take this time you've been like, taking care of self-care, you know, making sure you're good, and then all of a sudden you might get into a relationship. How do you share, make room for that person when you've been kind of focusing on yourself for so many years? Mm, good question. That could be a hard transition. And though something that's really big, what we talk about in marriage counseling is, what's the vision of your household? What's the vision for your life? And a lot of times people get in these relationships with no vision. They enjoy of like having all the fun stuff, you know, eat out, they go to movies, or you know, they talk about like their past, but they don't talk about the future. Mm-hmm. And so you get in this relationship, and you're thinking, "Oh my God, I'm, I feel like I'm losing myself. I gave up my last name, I gave up all the stuff, and all of a sudden, I'm losing myself." What happened is you never had a vision for your household before you came into it. Mm-hmm. And I find that when you have a vision, it really helps for not losing who you are, because we really believe that. As two individuals, you each have unique purposes and calls and gifts. And when you get married, doesn't mean you have to leave that call of who God created you. Just like a painter has a um, has a, a brush, and there's a canvas. The canvas has its purpose to be to um to to hold the picture, but the brush paints a beautiful picture. But you can't have a picture without the brush or the canvas. 
And that's how marriage is. We should, we should be able to come together and create something beautiful, not taking away the gift that God's given me, but we should be able to bring together and create something beautiful in God's eyes and for other people to use. And too many times I think people do not have vision, so they lose themselves in marriage or in a relationship. And the same goes with even friendships. You lose yourself because you want to be more like the person because you don't really have a vision what type of friend you really want in your life. Yep. You know, it's like, it's like Aki and Saltfish. <laughs> it's like cocoon and flying fish. Right? I'm just trying to make y'all hungry. That's the goal. But the point is, hallelujah. The point is uh, that, you know, that we have to establish these things. And I'll, I'll say, you know, even as it pertains to setting vision, essentially it helps us to set expectations as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and reasonable expectations and um, agreeable expectations. The issue is that oftentimes, you know, because there is no vision, there's no, there are no expectations. And don't get it twisted. You know, things shift in life. Mm-hmm. There are things that will happen in your life that you don't plan to happen, right? But the bottom line is, and at that point, you would reevaluate or evaluate things and, you know, and make a move. Not in the marriage. And a lot of people, this is the thing. There are a lot of marriages that end today, which really just simply needed a reevaluation of vision. Mm. And it's because they're unwilling to come back to the drawing board and say, hold up, maybe there are just some things that need to shift around. Maybe there are some expectations that we had in the beginning that we need to revisit. And maybe some things need to throw, be thrown out so that, and maybe some things need to be added mm-hmm. so that we can actually have uh, expectations that are agreeable so that we can make sure that we're going forward in the same direction as opposed to the tension that comes from division mm. or two visions mm-hmm. right so i think that that's uh, imperative because ultimately we need to realize that personal sacrifice should not be personality assassination say that again pick it pick it that's not up on the screen so make sure you write it <laughs> personal sacrifice should not be personality assassination so good so the so goal good. is not that you are coming together because this is the thing. A lot of people, when it comes to relationships, we think in Genesis chapter 2, when God says uh, the, the, you know, that the two shall leave their father and mother and, um, and cleave. And that's where the whole leave and cleave thing came from. And they become one flesh. Right? And so this one flesh, oftentimes people think, oh, that means that all this stuff I've been working on, all this self-care I've been putting, all this stuff I've been building up, that that means that needs to be assassinated. No, you can be selfless without assassinating yourself. You can still be who you are and contribute to the table uh, and bring good things to the table if you are to a place where you have established, you have established boundaries, you've established margin, you have put vision in place so that expectations are there and we all can agree on them. I was just saying, a lot of people get, when they, once they get married, a lot of times, like, you've changed from when we, when we first talked about things. I'm hoping that we're all evolving. I hope that we are having the conversation that things have changed Amen. and that we're growing and not degressing. And I think a lot of people, I have friends marrying for like years, like, when we first started talking, you know, you said, I'm like, things change. And we have constantly need to be reevaluating because, you know, I'm hoping that I'm growing in my relationship with Christ, like he's changing a new vision in me and my heart, that I don't have the same vision that I had five years ago, let alone a year ago. Even as it pertains to the cross and to, and to Christ. Jesus, the gospel shows us that Jesus was able to serve, but he still maintained who he was throughout 
his journey. Mm-hmm. He still maintained who he was. Even when he was dying, he was still, he made it clear, like, he was on this journey and he's dealing with all these waste dudes that are always out here trying to tell him that he's not, you know, that he is not who he says that he is. And he keeps reminding these mans. He's like, yo, I'm telling you straight away, you're saying it to your, you're saying it to me. I'm showing you in scripture that it was prophesied about me. All so he made it clear throughout his journey that he was who he said he was. Even in John 8, 58, where it's declared and they're like, listen, man. You know, you don't you you're not you're making statements as if you existed and you actually, you know, were are not even you're how old are you, fam? They're like, you're you're, you still you don't even have a full beard yet. And you're out here talking like you're ancient. And he says the greatest statement of all time, I believe, John 8, 58. He says before Abraham was, I am. He's just like, yo, just I am. I didn't start. I didn't. He's like this. This physical uh, nature that you're seeing of me right now. He's like this was not my beginning. You know, I was who I was prior. I am who I am prior to showing up through a Virgin Mary, and prior to taking lashes in my back on your behalf, dying for the people who are mocking him, going to the cross, going to the grave, and rising from the dead with all power. He existed prior to that. So it is with you and me. You can have your life and your existence prior to the relationship. And you don't have to lose that just because you're in the relationship. 